Hey, teacher friends. This is your host, Kara Rickman from Create Your Balance with Literacy. I am a 23-year veteran teacher turned coach, mentor, and trainer to help teachers like you develop their craft in teaching cross-curricular. I cannot wait to share with you all of my tips and tricks with you today. Are you ready to take your classroom to the next level? Because you don't have to be a veteran teacher to be loved by your students and your parents. So let's get this party started, shall we? Today's episode is all about the seven ways to teach reading and phonics groups at your teacher table. So in this episode, I will share with you all of my tips and tricks for making your reading and phonics groups in first grade the best yet. Are you ready to learn some new strategies to help make your group successful and differentiated? I cannot wait to share my seven ways to teach reading and phonics at my teacher table. So what's the difference between the science of reading and guided reading? Okay, so I know you probably heard these buzzwords before, and you may not have known what they meant. So let me give you some little background information, okay? I'm not the end-all be-all of reading groups, but I've had a lot of successful readers over the years, so I'm going to share with you what I've done and what has worked for me. I've had guided reading training and the science of reading training, and they both have fabulous strategies that you can use to differentiate your reading groups. Okay, so here's guided reading. Guided reading is more of a balanced literacy framework of mind, using reading levels to group your students into groups. So, for example, if you have students ranging in levels from A to I, then you would group your students according to their reading level. These groups would be the same or close to the same reading level, depending on the size of your class. If you had students that were A's and B's, then you would group A's and B's together, or you could group the C's and D's together. For guided reading, you would use the level books to drive your instruction. So here's the sequence of the lesson that I would use. First, you pre-read the old books. Then you introduce the new sight words for the new story. Then you do a picture walk. You read a new leveled book over and over again until I say stop. And then at the end, we do word work or guided writing. This whole lesson takes about 15 to 20 minutes. I would teach my students reading strategies to help them read the words such as frame the word, sound it out, get your mouth ready, skip and read on, think about words you know, look at the picture and chunk the word. If I had a class of 22 students, then I would typically have four to five reading groups. Each day, I would listen to a new student read and take a running record. In case you didn't know what a running record is, It's a progress monitoring template that has 100 boxes. You put a check for each word the student reads correctly and an X for each error that they read incorrectly. You would add up all the errors and divide that number by 100. You have a percentage chart to look at. If they scored a 95% or higher, then the level is independent. That means it might be too easy. If they scored between a 90 and 94%, then the level is instructional. That means it is perfect for that student. And if they scored below a 90%, then it was frustrational. That means it's too hard. This was how I did my progress monitoring. If you're interested in checking out my guided reading resource with editable lesson plan templates and reading strategies, go to my TPT store called Create Your Balance with Literacy and look under the custom categories under reading and you will find it. I also have a YouTube video on my YouTube channel called Create Your Balance with Literacy of me teaching a guided reading lesson with my first graders. 
So this was how I've taught reading groups for the past 23 years. And I was very successful, but now the new research says that by teaching this way, some students don't learn to read as fast as others because of learning disabilities or dyslexia. This is because their brain doesn't grasp some of the reading strategies and concepts unless phonemic awareness or phonics is explicitly taught. So that's how the science of reading came into existence. So what is the science of reading, you ask? So the new research says that explicitly teaching phonics, phonemic awareness-based instruction allows the student's brain to grasp the phonics concepts first so that later they will be able to decode words more easily. And I totally agree with this. In this approach, you would group your students rather than reading level, but according to their needs, such as phonics, phonemic awareness, sound mapping, decoding, segmentation, and sentence dictation. In my classroom, I had a mixture of both science of reading and guided reading groups. I believe that using both types of approaches to reading can help make more of the needs, meet more of the needs of your students, especially for your low babies who need the science of reading and your high babies who still need guided reading. The, re the reading strategies helped me group my high students according to their reading levels. So I would group them according to level, fluency, comprehension, and then I grouped my low students according to their phonemic awareness or phonics assessments. So see, you can really do both. You just have to know the difference between the two so that you can easily differentiate the needs of your students. As the year went on, it was awesome to see my students progress from a phonics-based group to a guided reading group. What a big accomplishment. So how do I group my students for reading and phonics? Well, first of all, your district probably provides you with a reading phonics assessment to give as a guide to divide your students into reading and phonics groups. For example, DRA, which is um, a reading assessment, M class, which is a reading and phonics assessment, iStation, which is an online reading assessment, or your district might have benchmarks such as a reading benchmark or phonics benchmark. Once you have the data from your assessments, then you can decide how you want to group your students. Here are some different groups that met different skills for my, my first graders. And if you notice, I have three ways of grouping for the science of reading and four ways of grouping for guided reading. So here's my science of reading groups. Group number one was my low, low group. They strictly worked on phonemic awareness and sound walls. Group number two was my low middle group. They worked on sound mapping and sentence dictation. Group number three was my middle group. They worked on decodable reading and sentence dictation. My guided reading groups were for my middle or high group and I worked on reading fluency. And then I worked on reading comprehension with another middle or high group. And then my high, high, high soaring readers or GT students would do their literature circles. So I'm going to go through each of these groups and I'm going to explain to you the activities that I did for each group. Group number one was the low group. This was phonemic awareness and the sound wall. In my low reading group, we would work on phonemic awareness using Hegarty. If you're not familiar with Hegarty, it's a phonemic awareness based curriculum that is strictly oral. I say a word and then we change the beginning sound, 
middle sound or ending sound by listening to the directions. It has blending, word segmentation, sound mapping, and more. It also has hand motions with each new skill. I love using Hegarty because it's an easy, simple, and quick way to practice phonemic awareness, and it only takes about 5 to 10 minutes, and the students love it. Another fun thing I do with my low group is identifying sounds on our sound wall. If you're not familiar with a sound wall, they are sound cards that have the letter and show how your mouth forms for that letter. An example of a sound wall can be a vowel valley. A vowel valley makes a V on the wall with the pictures with the different vowel sounds from the smallest to the largest opening of the mouth. The smallest opening is at the edges of the V, and the largest opening is at the bottom of the V. And this shows the difference in how your mouth and lips look for each sound. Some students have a really hard time making the sound, and they do not know how to position their mouth correctly. This concept is extremely challenging for students with speech issues. So having a sound wall next to your teacher table will help those students to visualize the sounds that you are asking them to make. At the end of the lesson, we work on word work and my students use their whiteboard and magnetic letters to practice making letters and sounds and CVC words. I make the words on my teacher whiteboard and they practice writing them or making them on their board. Okay, group number two was my low middle group and they work on sound mapping and sentence dictation. For my low middle group, primarily focuses on sound mapping and sentence dictation, we use this template to practice making our CVC and CVCE words. We use red and yellow chips. The yellow chips are for the consonants and the red chips are for the vowels. I have a mat that has three boxes. I say a word and the students push the chips into the boxes. We sound out the word and then spell it. Last, we write the word to the side with an expo marker. We do this with all of the short vowel word families. I have another template that has four boxes. This is great for spelling CVC words with blends at the beginning or CVCE words. Again, we use this mat with all the short and long vowel word, comp- word families. If you're interested in checking out my sound mapping resources, go to my TBT store, Create Your Balance with Literacy, and you will find the phonics lesson. Last, we do some sentence dictation. Sentence dictation is where we work on writing complete sentences using capitals, periods, correct spelling, and finger spaces. We use our whiteboards and expo markers. For my low babies, I like using their whiteboards so they can easily erase and try again if they need to. That way, they do not get as frustrated with having to erase multiple times with a pencil. I say the sentence, and the students repeat the sentence back to me. We count the words on our fingers. And then we draw the lines on our whiteboard for the words. I try to encourage the students to sound out their words as well as they can. We practice stretching the words out and tapping the sounds with our fingers. I also try and say a sentence that will help the students be successful with words they already know. After they write their sentence, they read it back to me and illustrate a picture at the bottom. We might do this one or two more times with different sentences. Okay, on to group number three. My middle group works on decodable reading and sentence dictation. My middle group uses decodable readers. Decodable readers are short stories that have easily decodable words from word families and CVC words. I always start with the word family or short vowel that we are learning during our phonics block. We use the curriculum 95% phonics 
Decodable readers set the student up for success because they are easily decodable, hence the name, Decodable Readers. We do sound mapping first, and I like to practice some words they will see in the story before reading it. And then we do a picture walk of the story and talk about some new sight words they might see. We frame the words with our fingers and say them and spell them. I also use decodable passages. I put them into a clear plastic folder and the students write on them with Expo markers. If you're interested in my decodable reading passages, check out my TBT store, Create Your Balance with Literacy. And after we read the stories, then we do some more sentence dictation. I might say a sentence from the story and we count the words, draw the lines on our whiteboard and write the sentence. This is just like my low middle group. And again, they have to read the sentence back to me and illustrate a picture. With this group, I like for them to make up their own sentence and write it a second time. It empowers them to want to write because it's their very own sentence. Group number four, my middle and high group work on reading fluency. With this reading group, I use guided reading levels. I test my students each month to see what reading level they're on, and if they're an H or above, I start them with a guided reading book. Here's an example of my level data tracker. I have a page that has different names, and I bubble in the level that they are for each month. Each month is really, really interesting to see how many levels they can go up from the one before. I also keep this tracker in my student data binder so my students can keep track of themselves. Students love to see their progress from month to month and it encourages them to want to try harder and persevere. This group uses the pacing of guided reading. For example, pre-read the old story, intro to new sight words, a picture walk, reading the new text, and then guided writing. Don't forget to check my YouTube channel and watch me teach a guided reading lesson on level G with my first graders. When we work on fluency, I tell my students to read their new book as many times as they can, and each time read it faster than before. We also work on sight word flashcards and read word lists of word families. Sometimes I even have my students make their own flashcards and take them home to practice, and that's really helpful. And after the, the reading the story, then we work on comprehension and guided writing. What's guided writing, you ask? Well, I'll tell you some more about those strategies in the next section. Okay, group number five. My middle-high group works on reading comprehension. In my opinion, reading comprehension is extremely important for these high readers. They may have excellent fluency, but they have no idea what they're reading. So, we practice predicting our text before reading, going over new sight words, reading new texts, and then answering questions about the story. I wrote some questions on some popsicle sticks. The students choose one different color each time to read the question. They cannot read the same question twice. My popsicle sticks have questions like, who are the characters? What is author's purpose? Tell the beginning, middle, and end. What is the genre? Where was the setting? And was there a problem? You can make up a lot of different questions depending on what your readers need. This is a quick and easy way to progress monitor their comprehension. Group number six is guided writing. And I do this with all of the groups. It's just, it just looks a little bit different with each group. So what is guided writing, you ask? It's a writing resource that I created that allows me to progress monitor my students when they are practicing their writing skills. This is a strategy that I can use for all of my reading groups. But... 
differentiate it to meet their needs. If I have a student that needs to be tested for dyslexia or dysgraphia, then this is an excellent data to keep. I have two ways that we practice. One way is on our whiteboards, like I shared in the previous reading group, and the other way is in our guided writing booklet. This booklet has pages with sound pictures, blank lines for sight word practice, pages for retelling the beginning, middle, and end, author's purpose, story elements, sequence of events, and text connections. When one booklet is full, the students can take it home, and then I'll make a new one with different pages from the last book. If you're interested in checking out my guided writing booklet, check out my TPT store. All right, group number seven is my high GT group using literature circles. For my literature circles, I prefer the students to be at least a level J or higher, so they have great fluency and comprehension. I like to have them read Magic Treehouse books, but you can use anything that you think are are suitable for your students as long as it's not too hard or complicated to comprehend. My students love the Magic Treehouse books because I read them all year long. So when I tell my literature circle that they are now reading a Magic Treehouse by themselves, they are super excited about reading. I just love that. Each student has a specific job, role, description page, and a calendar that they refer to so they know which job they will be for the day. I have six different job rotations, such as Discussion Director, Passage Picker, Summarizer, Artful Artist, Word Wizard, and Literature Connector. The Discussion Director is the leader for the day. They are going to write two or three questions about the story, and they're going to ask the group their questions. Now, their questions can be anything from what's author's purpose, what are the story elements, tell beginning, middle, and end, whatever they choose. They are the teacher. The passage picker chooses their favorite paragraph from the story to write, and then they will tell and read their favorite paragraph to the group. The summarizer will make a summary of what they read that day, and they, they're going to use these words, first, then, next, and last, and they're going to write a summary in their journal. The artful artist is going to pick their favorite part of the story they read, they're going to illustrate a picture with a caption, and then they're going to share their picture. The word wizard is going to find two or three vocabulary words that they want to look up in the dictionary. I have a special picture dictionary that I use for my literature circle. They look up the word, they write the definition in their journal, and then they share with a group. The literature connector will try and write all three connections in their journal. They will write text-to-self connection, text-to-text connection, and text-to-world connection. And then at the end, they're going to share all the things that they wrote to each other. So this group meets twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I meet with them six times together before they are meeting independently. This way, I can go over all the six different jobs all at the same time to practice what it looks like and sounds like. First, they each read a new page out loud for the group, and then they will complete their comprehension role by writing in their folder, which has, has journal pages. I have journal templates at the back of their folder to write on. And last, they will share what they wrote to each group. This group takes a lot of time and practice at first, but once they understand what the jobs are, they are good to go. When they introduce themselves and they want to share what they wrote, they say, hello, my name is, and today I was the and then they have to tell what job they were. So there you have it, all the seven strategies that you could use to teach your reading, 
bonus groups at your teacher table. But a word of caution, I wouldn't start these groups right away. I would wait for four to six weeks or so because you won't be ready to start your groups because you need to be spending tons of time teaching your rules and procedures to your class. Because the last thing you want to have happen is to have your students come up and interrupt you while you're teaching at your table. Take your time at the beginning of the year to really model, model, model your expectations so your reading groups will be off to a great start when it's time. You want your class to be working independently and they need to know how to problem solve without you. I use a peer facilitator that walks around and answers questions for me. But that's a whole other blog post and episode to listen to. If you're interested in checking out my blog post about my behavior management, go to createyourbalancewithliteracy.com. Until next time, let's take your classroom to the next level. Are you ready to take your classroom to the next level? Have you been staying at school too late every day prepping and planning for the next day? What if I told you all your lesson plans, resources, anchor charts, and craftivities were already made for you and all you had to do was print them out? Guess what? I've got your back. How about a lifetime membership that includes all of my first grade lesson plans, unlimited access to my TPT resources, my podcast, blog posts, YouTube videos, courses, and coaching calls with me for support and help. Click the link down below in the show notes and check out my two choices for my lifetime membership. Let's take your classroom to the next level.